Welcome to Face Your Faith. I hope that this topic study will help you grow deeply in your relationship with God, to be fearless in your faith, and to present others the Word of God in freedom and in peace. Today we are going to be talking about words, just words. But are you aware that words, just simple words, are one of the most powerful forces in the universe? Although large or massive don't even begin to describe the size of our universe, this unending space that we live in is so sensitive to words. How do we know this? For one, God used words to create the universe, and he begins speaking it into existence in Genesis 1-3. And God said, let there be light. And it was so. And he continues on speaking creation into existence. And he continued to speak all that we know into existence until verse 25, at which point he made Adam. I'm going to digress here for just a moment and say it's interesting to notice in particular that God in this time of creation did not speak humans into existence. Rather, he handmade Adam personally, by his own hands, crafted him. I think that's interesting because that indicates how important, how meaningful, outside of all that God had created up to this point, we were as humans in his eyes. But moving on, the amazing and wonderful thing is that once God started speaking in Genesis, when he spoke everything into existence, he has never stopped speaking to us. And isn't it wonderful that God continues to speak to us throughout history in many different ways and to this day by using his words through the Bible? Now, we could easily spend an exceptional amount of time reviewing hundreds of examples of God, Old Testament, and God as Jesus, New Testament, speaking to people. But that's not going to be beneficial at this point since the topic is simply to drive us to the full understanding of just how powerful words are rather than every specific example. So now we have an overview on the first few words that got things started, and we are going to move on and roll through a few more examples to help us recognize how we are to use each and every word that comes out of our mouth and the power of each one of those words. Before we go further, I would like to encourage you to put your Bible, notepaper, and any other potential environmental distraction away for now. I'm a firm believer that we get too distracted plowing through our Bibles during study time, Bible study in church, etc., and most of us, no matter how multitask-worthy we may think we are, are not capable of fully focusing on the message, on the word that is being taught while occupying ourselves with other tasks, such as flipping through the Bible, you know, trying to find the correct page, then trying to read along, and taking notes. You are missing more than you think when you are doing that. So I'd like to ask you to sit back and hear. Just listen to God's word in peace. Remember, you can go back and listen to it again and take all the notes you desire and then focus on each passage in your Bible afterwards. So let's get started. John 5, 1 through 8. Then Jesus said to him, notice right out of the gate, God is using his words. Then Jesus said to him, this was in reference to the crippled man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. Jesus spoke eight 
words. And this man was healed. Did he have to speak that many? Obviously not. But eight simple words. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. John 9, 6. Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the blind man's eyes. Go, Jesus told him. Wash in the pool. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Again, we see a very profound set of a few words. Go, wash, and the man had sight. John eleven forty three, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Notice again, Jesus used his words and he called out, Lazarus, come out. Three words. Such simple use of words. Jesus himself didn't even use profound vocabulary when so often we think that's so important and all the rage to have people think highly of us. And listen to what Jesus said. He called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Simple. And it raised a dead man. We see in just a couple of examples the incredible power of words. Now perhaps you're thinking, you know, we're referring to God here, uh, Jesus. We simply do not have that kind of power over speech. And this isn't necessarily a fair example of what we can do and the power that God has given us. Are you sure you want to think that? Then why does Jesus say, have faith in God? Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart and believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. That's amazing. All he says is you too can use a few words. Go, throw yourself into the sea. It sounds like go, wash in the pool, and you will see. The verse continues, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That's pretty powerful. And God makes it very, very clear. We, you and I, have that power if only we didn't doubt. So now that we know we have an incredible power given to us in and through the very words that come from our very own mouths, what are some of the things we need to know about what rolls off of our tongues every day? The words that can either encourage and lift up or the words that can discourage and tear down. Keep in mind, Satan does his work with words as well. Satan deceived Adam and Eve with seemingly simple words, and we will get to that in just a few minutes. But let's continue listening to what Romans has to tell us on words. Romans 10.9, the most powerful words that can be uttered by us in the universe. Words that send shockwaves through the universe. Words so powerful that even the angels in heaven acknowledge and react to these words. And what are those words? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Think about this. If you confess, speak, use your words with your mouth, and express the words verbally, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We see such a clear example right here of something that requires us to use our words. We have confess, speaking. We have confess again, speaking. We have call, speaking. There is a very key component to this where God says, you must call out to me. You must speak. You must use your words and use them properly. That's incredible. The power of three words, Jesus is Lord, along with belief, and that alters eternity. Jesus is Lord alters eternity for everyone who believes and speaks it. Let's keep going. Genesis 3, 1 through 4, Satan said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice again, Satan is using his words. Satan said to the woman. Eve responded by saying. Satan responded again, and he said, you will not surely die. There's a lot of speaking that goes on that changes things radically. Those few words that were exchanged between Satan and Eve had a radical impact on the entire universe. Next, we look at Matthew 4, 8 through 10. Again, the devil took him, Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Satan said, all this I give you, if you, Jesus, will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to Satan, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now we have an exchange of words between Jesus and Satan. Hebrews 4:12. for the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let's read that again. For the word of God is alive and active. That is so powerful in its own right. The word of God, the word became flesh, it speaks of in John, and dwells among us. For the word of God is alive and active, and it is today sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4.14, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Hear the word again, spoken with our words. As you can see, the words are exceptionally powerful things, a matter of life and death, healing and condemnation, encouragement and judgment. So how have you been putting your words to work lately? What have you been saying to people? What have you been verbalizing? Let us look now at a few other passages that give us more direction on how we are to use our words in day-to-day -day conversation. Let's start by looking at Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. That's a powerful comment. Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat their fruits. In other words, you will either speak death or you will speak life. And if you speak death, you will love the fruits of death. And if you speak life, you will love the fruits of life. Moving on to Ephesians 4, 14 through 15. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. Notice in verse 15 it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That is also very powerful. What do we say? What comes out of our mouth? God cares deeply about let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Ephesians 5.4 Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Ephesians 5.6-7 Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. God is again discussing something very important. When we hear the word, let no one deceive you with empty words. Listen carefully to people. Listen carefully as people speak to you. Don't trust what I'm telling you right now. Go back to your Bible. Go back to the word of God when we're done. Study each of the passages that I'm providing you today. Don't take my word for this. This is between you and the Lord and testing these things with God in your life so that you can grow. Matthew 10, 32. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before man, I will confess him before my Father in heaven. That's powerful. In other words, therefore, anyone who confesses, anyone who speaks about me before men, I will confess, I will speak to your Father, my Father in heaven, on your behalf. We speak to people God speaks to the Father on our behalf. Ephesians 5.12 It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. It's shameful to even talk about what the disobedient do in secret. Proverbs 12.18 There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Matthew 12.36 I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Moving on to James 1.26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Colossians 4.6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your speech always be gracious and know how you ought to answer each person. Matthew 12, 37, for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. 
Matthew 15, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. Interestingly enough, now we are learning that the words we speak proceed from our heart. What we take in is what is coming out. In other words, we need to be very careful with what we listen to and watch and hear, because that seems to be the trouble of what we say. Let's listen to Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Very similar to a quote that Abraham Lincoln used, it is better to be silent and thought a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. As I continued to go through this study, I realized how impactful this was for me. And while I certainly hope it's helpful for you, it is very important to know that James indicates something very interesting about directing our words as teachers. James 3, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what they say, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. What's unique about this passage is I have typically always heard this passage from other pastors and theologians described as being directed toward teachers specifically and pastors. However, I believe there is more meaning to this because God calls each of us who have accepted him as Lord and Savior to be instructors, to be servants, to go spread the gospel, to go tell. And teaching is telling. Teaching is giving an account, a story, a testimony. So while I do agree that teachers per se, as leaders of a flock, myself as teaching the word of God specifically in this manner, will be judged more strictly, I do believe that everyone who has been called to spread the word of God, who is also teaching those words to others, will also be held very accountable for making certain that when you are telling, when you are teaching others about your life in Christ and the life that you are hoping they will discover, that you will be very careful, very passionate, and very sincere in the words you use at all times. Don't forget, once a word has been spoken, it cannot be unsaid. Once a ball has been released from the quarterback's hand, it can't be brought back mid-throw for a redo. There's no delete key on the play. The throw is what the throw is. You can say all you want to the coach, you know, I didn't mean to do that. that. That wasn't what I intended to do. It's irrelevant. It's done. You pass the ball. You pass the words to the intended receiver, and they are most likely and most often received. Words are also very hard to control because words verbalize your thoughts and what you have placed in your hearts. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in order to control your words, you have to control your heart and what you place in it. Matthew 12, 34. What is controlling your words? Words also shape us, our identity. So if I speak perverted words, I become a pervert. If I lie, I become a liar. If I tell the truth, I become truthful. 
If I speak encouragement, I become encouraging. They shape our identity. Words set the world on fire. Are you one of those individuals who sets the world around you on fire with your words? Let's listen to James 3.5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. An interesting story I heard a while ago. Miles of grasslands were set ablaze along the railroad tracks in the Midwest. And when the driver of the train was asked why he didn't report the fires, he said he had never seen anything ablaze. The investigation team found that to be absolutely impossible since there were burning acres and acres of prairie along his entire route. As the investigation continued, it was discovered that one of the wheels on a train car at the back had locked and was throwing a fountain of sparks in the dry grass along the tracks. Is that who you are? Are you that train wheel, stuck, throwing sparks, showering words of fire along your path? Are you the person that is igniting the world around you on fire? Let's pray. Most gracious Father, we have listened to your words, words of direction, words of encouragement, words of discipline, words of creation, and words of love. Encourage us to be careful with our words, remembering that we will give a verbal account to you for each and every one. Please fill us with a deep desire to fill our hearts with your words alone and speak words of truth and grace, and not the words that ignite raging fires. And now we ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.